Well, we're in a series called Acts of Faith. Can somebody say that with me? Acts of Faith. And uh, we started this last week as we said big things happen when we act in faith. Our tendency, as we said, as human beings is to make decisions that we're comfortable with when we're comfortable making them, right? That we do it when we feel comfortable, right? So that really is us to really basically play it safe and only do what we feel is rational at the time. But God has called us to acts of faith. And uh, we're going to look in God's word at that story, a great story today. And what I want to encourage you to do is that for some of you, and definitely for us as a church as a whole, this is a very timely message series that we would realize that it's a time in our life that we would let down our guards and we would stop overanalyzing what God says to do and be willing to make decisions that the world doesn't even understand. Amen? How many of you we should do that in Christ? And we're going to make decisions that the world doesn't even understand. And maybe some of the people that are around us don't even understand, but we're called to do it in acts of faith. Big things happen when we act in faith. Will you turn with me to Joshua chapter 3 today as we look at God's word there in verse 1. And I'm going to just let you know as we look into this, we realize God is on the move. Amen? God is a God that is on the move. In verse 1, chapter 3 of Joshua, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from... Now, now this, is, this can be a very dangerous... This can be a very dangerous word if you don't... Say it right. Shitem, okay? And, and came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged before they crossed over. Somebody say, cross over. So it was after three days that the officers sent through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from the place between you and it. Yet, there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and crossed over before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that, that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. Verse 8, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant that when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Go and stand in the river. Go and stand in the river the river. I want you to get that in your spirit today. Go and stand in the river. Verse 17, then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. All Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Today, I want to talk about stand in the river. Will you say that with me? Stand in the river. Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, stand in the river. You don't have to know them to talk to them. You know, we love everybody here. Stand in the river. All right. You got that in your heart now? 
Okay, so a little background on the verse. That the Israelites were living as slaves in Egypt when a freedom fighter named Moses came along, and he's called by God to be an advocate, to be a voice, and he began to negotiate their freedom with Pharaoh. And the negotiations were on and off. Like most negotiations, yes and then no, yes and then no. And then it happened, after generations of living in exile, the Pharaoh of Egypt signed the paperwork, giving them permission to be free. History says that over 2 million people, that's a lot of people, 2 million people left Egypt without knowing where they were going or the place that they were going, but they knew it was too good to be true. They had talked about it, they had heard about it, it was passed down from generation to generation, that there was a place called the Promised Land. Tell us, come on, you say that, Promised Land. And it embodied the desires of their heart, a place of great hope. A place of huge opportunity was a, a place of new beginnings in their life. And, but between them and the life they wanted, that free life, better life, there were battles to be fought, there were enemies to overcome, there were two bodies of water that they had to pass through and to get on the other side. And Pharaoh's like, you know what? Hey, I'm not ready to let them go yet. So now they're chasing them down. They're on their way to the promised land. But he says, no, 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 I don't. Go get them, go get them. And they went and got them. They brought them back and they got... The enemy's in front of them, the army's behind them, and they're chasing them. And most of you are familiar with what's next. You might have seen it in a movie like Ten Commandments. You ever seen that movie or something or whatever? But the Bible says that Moses stretched out his hand and the sea rolled back. So all these big, huge water, walls of water begin to be held back so they could go through on dry ground. And the water then came back together as the armies cross. That, that's just perfect, right? I mean, that is perfect. Like the enemy can't get to them. They're on the other side of the Red Sea, and they're not going back to Egypt. But here's what I want to say that represented. That represented a time when God took them to a place where they are now free to make their own decisions. How many of you in this room today, from the top to the bottom, would say here, I am free to make my own decisions in my life? Can I see your hand? Come on, in all honesty, okay? All right, there are young people that are here, and I understand you still live, uh, you know, in the home of your mom and dad and things like that, and that, that uh, is maybe not fully true, but, you know, they're watching over you and giving you wisdom and direction. But we are free to make our own decisions. How many of you know that? We are free, and I want that just to sink in just a little bit. We are free to make our own decisions. We make them. But then we complain about where we are, but we're the ones making our own decisions. How many of you are with me? Right? Like, there's a lot of people complaining about their life, but it's your decision that got you there. Right? So sometimes we blame other people on that. But, but we're the ones that made the choice. God doesn't make decisions for people. He gives us the power to choose, and that's the greatest power, one of the greatest powers that you and I have. The greatest power we have is the power to choose and the decisions that we choose. So back to the story, they're between the Red Sea and Jordan River filled with opportunity and possibilities. Then they encountered, which you have to understand, the enemy within them. Well, they had an enemy behind them, but also they had an enemy within them, if you're with me today. There was opportunity in front of them. They encountered the enemy within them. What I mean by that is they are free from the hand of Egypt, but then they're held back by their own indecision. They start to be held back by internal conflict that's going on, their mind, their, their, you know, maybe because all the big decisions in their life had been made by other people up until then. You realize they were slaves up to this point. Like, they had to ask for permission. They were told what to do, you know? 
And so they're filled with indecision as they're looking to move forward. They've got a promise. You know, my mom, when she would get upset with us kids, and my dad would be away or whatever, and, you know, we were acting up. doesn't happen in your home, but it did in ours growing up. The kids, you know, and we're, you know, crazy, and kids were going wild, and, you know, we're, we're beating each other down and all this crazy stuff and these stories. And my mom would get to a point, she'd say, that's enough. I'm putting my foot down. How many of you have ever been there? How many of your moms are like that right now? Yeah, how many, some of you are grown in your mother's death. That is enough, and I'm putting my foot down. You know, you still hear. It's ringing in your ears. And let me tell you something. My mom is a short redhead, but when she put her foot down, you listened. You did what she wanted you to do or else, right? And you moms are that way. I know that. So we want to say this is how do we stand firm? How do, how do, we, how do we put our foot down? We're supposed to stand. We're supposed to put our foot down and, and to be planted. What we need to know is that it's, it's simple. You need to put one foot down and then put your other foot down. You have to take, you maybe don't take huge steps at first, but you take a step towards what God is calling you to go towards. You know, we need to put our foot down. You know, I remember years back as um, we were, the kids were really young. We went to Florida and my in-laws, Christian parents, owned a place in Fort Myers and loved going down there, especially when we lived in the upper Midwest, because you want to get out of the upper Midwest from about August till July, because it's snow, I mean, it's crazy, you know, it's always cold up there, so we, you know, we just got out of there, and we went down there, and it was a cheap trip for us, because in-laws lived there, and they had a place, I remember us going and playing miniature golf, we always play miniature golf, you know, when you go down, I mean, the miniature golf courses in Florida are absolutely amazing, I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they are amazing. I mean, you know, because they're able to be outside most of the year why we can't. But I remember one time, you know, playing miniature golf, and, and my family, they all went in front of me, and my in-laws were just in front of me, and there was a ball that went into this little stream, streams in miniature golf course. That is amazing, you know. And so I went to get one of the balls that we lost, and you know, there was a space between me, one tee, to the next tee, but in the middle of it was a stream. And I'm like, I'm coming across, all the rest of my family's in front of me, but as I come, I, lay, I look to take a step across the stream, and I didn't get my foot planted. And it was in that moment I realized, you know how that goes in your mind, you're kind of going backwards, and before I knew it, I, here I am in the water. My mother-in-law turns around, and she's laughing so hard she can't catch her breath. My father-in-law is doubled over because I look ridiculous. And here in my mind, I'm a grown man, and I can't get across this little, little stream here just to the other side. Why? Because I didn't plant my foot. How many of you have been there in life? You know, in life, you, you know how it is? You know, you didn't get your foot planted? See, what happens in this Old Testament story is they lack the warrior mentality, the entrepreneurial mindset. Sometimes where you just have to act in faith. You know, they, they, they didn't know this that much up until this point because you understand they were told to go to bed at night and when to get up in the morning. They were told to do this. They were told to that, do that. And, and they never had the opportunity to make decisions on their own up until this point. See, when you go into your future, 
Oftentimes you will feel you have obstacles in front of you. You have enemies in camp behind you. And so when we talk about freedom in our lives in Jesus Christ to make our own decisions, there comes along with that a responsibility. There comes along with that decisions and the power to choose our own decisions. There comes responsibility. And so rather than them moving forward in faith, they started getting whiny. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't, you know, the couch is too comfortable. Uh, you know, and I don't know if I want to walk anymore. I, I just want to stay here. And they complained about how hard life was and, and, and uh, how we don't like the bread. I mean, what, what? This is manna from heaven every day. And we don't like the bread anymore around here. Small-minded to the point where they wish they were back in Egypt. Small-minded. And here's what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When you stop acting in faith, you stop the progress God has planned for your life. See, when you stop and I stop acting in faith, and everybody in this room, somewhere along the line in your life, we have all stopped acting in faith somewhere, right? Because we're not perfect. But somewhere, it's when you stop acting in faith, you stop the progress of God in your life from that very moment. And we need to realize that. Somebody shout progress. Progress Progress is God's plan. Progress is what God wants for you and for me today and how we're going to actualize that in the steps of our life. God doesn't want any of us to stay where we are at. None of us. He doesn't want us to stay there. But instead of moving life forward, they allow their own internal fear to hold them back from the progress that God has called them and planned for their life. So they ended up in this negative cycle early on. Victim mentality, lots of blame, lots of indecision, literally going around in a circle between the Red Sea and the Jordan River because they were still believing the lie of captivity in their heart. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of believers today in Christ that, yeah, you know Christ. I'm not questioning that, not questioning any of that, but inside of it, there's so many people that are living in bondage when Jesus has already obtained the victory for you and you have a victim mentality that you are staying in when God has called you to be free. Amen? So we're living in the mindset of Egypt, right? In that you and I have the power to choose. We have the power to choose. Let me tell you, that's a risky move on God's part, but he's given us the power. You know, 37 years should have taken a couple of weeks. God's finally fed up and says, if you want to leave this place of confusion and you are ready to stop debating your next move, if you're ready to take action and cross over, somebody shout cross over today. Cross over, if you're ready to cross over to a new season in your life, if you're ready to not be held hostage by what your parents did or didn't do. And here's what I want to say on that. The fastest way to delay your destiny is disobedience. And if you want to step into all that God has for you today, it will require responsibility and obedience in your heart to do that. Remember last week, we have a part to play in the progress that God has for our life. We do. It's not just saying, oh God, whatever will be, will be. There's many people today who blame their parents for how they turned out. That's, what, that's just the way I am. The, the, the way I am, why I am, I am is because of my parents. 
And the people in the wilderness, they're talking and they, they're having a hard time adjusting to something fresh and something new and, and new progress. But many of them, 37 years later, had died off. And this is God mostly saying to a younger generation, if you're ready to move past where your parents have been and you're ready to go where they didn't go, and if you're ready to take the battle to another place and move forward in progress, you can do that today. And you need to plant your foot and you need to stand firm in the promises of God. Joshua was, was not like Moses. And I want you to understand that Joshua was not like Moses. Moses was an amazing man of God, but Joshua was not like him. He had a different spirit. He had a servant spirit. That's what Joshua had. You see this in his... I, 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 the thing I like about Joshua was before he led, he followed. And so you see the seeds you sow by following become the harvest you will reap in leading. So if you can't get under it, don't be surprised if you can never get over it. And I'm a product of this. Chris and I are products of this. We've served under amazing, incredible leaders throughout our years in ministry. And it doesn't mean that I absolutely agreed with everything that they said, but we were loyal 100%. Right? And this is lost in our day. This is lost in our day. So you've got to realize the seeds you're sowing when you're following will be the, the harvest you get in leading. That's going to come out. That's going to come out. If you're sowing seeds in your life right now for being derogatory, complaining, and you don't think that's affecting you, let me tell you something. When that flips onto the other side, that's what you're going to get out of it. It always does. It's not even my dynamic. It's a spiritual dynamic of sowing and reaping. It's God's dynamic, so that means it will happen, right? It will take place. So you have to know that we're sowing seeds right now. He's like, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go stand in the river. I want you to go stand in the river, and sometimes God parts the water ahead of you, and sometimes he asks you to step into the water first. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean? You want us to go stand in the river? I mean, come on. Years back, the water just parted. I mean, remember that? You remember that? You remember that story? That's an amazing story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Sometimes God parts the water, and then sometimes God tells us to go stand in the river, to plant your foot in the water, to put your foot down, and to stand firm. Will you? And here's a question that I just want to ask all of us today. I've been asking myself this question. Will you stand firm in the wilderness even before God gives you a promise of a better land? See, it's about your job. It's about your job. And, and I talk to people throughout the day here today that, you know, as uh, getting ready for our services and, and pre-service and just talking, some of them like, yeah, I got to go to work this afternoon and I'm going to go. And, you know, they're ready to go and they're ready to jump in. But, but it's about your job and what you're going to do in the workplace. And you might not even know you can, if you can make it through another day. Can you steward the monotonous moments of your life? How you steward your monotonous moments is what creates your memorable moments. See, see, most of you, like me, you go to work, there's things that you have to do. There's meetings you get caught up in, and then there's meetings you get caught up, and then there's meetings you get caught up, right? Come on. 
There's things that you have to do that seem very monotonous every single week, every single day, and we can get caught up in that, and we can lose sight of where God really is taking us. But it's in those that he can create memorable God moments. And the good news is when they stepped into the water, they stood actually in the water. The miracle happened. They got over on the other side of the Jordan. So I'm just saying to many of today, you may be at the point Listen, where you continue to want somebody else to do for you what you can do for yourself. Acting in faith. We're we're expecting somebody else to do what God has called us to do. That we're not going to go stand in it because we expect somebody else to do it for us. And Scripture tells us, listen, we live, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because why? Well, doubt will hold you back. Fear will freeze you up. There's a paralysis in the analysis, but faith is what moves our lives forward. And to experience the promises of God, we have to take a step. Acts of faith that influence us forever. Maybe the dots really haven't connected for you in your life. You're wondering, wow, how's this all come together in my life? You wondered, and we, we all have those thoughts. But like we said last week, if there's a barrier between you and Jesus, it's time to rip off the roof. You want to see the promises that God has in your future, and, and you need to go and stand in the river. You need to go put your foot down, and you need to stand in the promises of God and stop whining about what other people haven't done. And stop complaining you see, you see the Ark of the Covenant in here. We just read that a moment ago. Some of you are like, whoa, Ark of the Covenant, that's kind of weird. Is this like Indiana Jones type stuff? I mean, what is it? You know, what India? Ooh, the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, come on. This is a real thing. Sounds weird. We're, we're a New Testament church. I just want everybody to know that. We are a New Testament church that believes in Jesus, but also we believe that the Old Testament is there to show us the nature and the character of God, but we also believe that Jesus came and fulfilled all that was within the Old Testament, and today, by grace through faith, we receive all of which Jesus accomplished on the cross. And we should take time to understand just this Ark of the Covenant, we, we understand this is that we, as we look at it and you read throughout the Bible and you study it, it was a golden chest and it had many symbolic meanings. And so inside of the Ark of the Covenant were three things the Bible says. And I want us to go through this because I want us to understand this because these are powerful and very profound symbols. The first one is the Ten Commandments. It was inside the Ark of the Covenant. And it represented God's power and God's law. The second item was a jar full of manna, Pop-Tarts from heaven every day right? Manna, heavenly bread that was sent every day in wilderness, in that wilderness that sustained the Israelites, and so it sustained them. It represents God's sustenance. God's provision was there. The third item was Aaron's rod. Aaron was the brother of Moses. He helped lead the people out of Egypt. The rod represented God's protection and God's guidance. Those are the things that were inside of the Ark of the Covenant, the Bible tells us, as you study it. As you look at it, Those weren't the most important things about the Ark of the Covenant. But the greatest thing the Ark of the Covenant was, was it traveled with the people everywhere they went, wherever they set up camp, and they called this thing called the tabernacle. How many of you heard the tabernacle? Yeah, the tabernacle. 
So this was the first mobile church we ever have in the Bible. That was it. That's the first mobile church because it moved, right? The Ark of the Covenant moved with them. So only the high priest could get near the Ark of the Covenant. Did you know that? And when he was in the Holy of Holies, then he would pray for the sins of humanity. He would pray for atonement that our sins would be taken away. That's where God's presence rested upon it. And if you read the stories in the Old Testament, if you've ever, if anybody ever touched the Ark of the Covenant, you died immediately. Immediately. There's numerous accounts that those who had physically touched the Ark, they died. Why? It's because God is holy, God is just, God is perfect, humanity is, is corrupt, humanity is sinful. And if you ever come into the presence of God, a holy, perfect God, his glory alone would bring us to our end immediately. Because why? Because the Bible says, for the wage of sin is death. And this is why I want to say today, in and through this, we're thankful for the Old Testament, but there's some I want to talk to you about. I am thankful for Jesus Christ. That's the good news of this. We believe that Jesus was God in the flesh and that 2,000 years ago he went to a cross and his blood covered our sins and canceled out your sins and my sins because of his sacrifice that you realize that God's presence is no longer confined to a box called the Ark of the Covenant. But wherever you and I are as believers in Christ, the presence of God goes with us. But you and I can't contain the presence of God because he's too great for us. But we are carriers of him that take him into our cars and into our homes and into your workplace today. You talk about being covert, right? The Holy Spirit is going with you into your area of work. Amen. And you're making an impact upon your community and your home. Why? Because you and I are carriers, but you and I can't contain fully the presence of Jesus. Because he is too great for that. So God's presence is not confined to a place any longer. When you come onto the New Testament, you no longer have to have an ark being carried that represents the presence of God. For you and I are carriers of the presence of the Most High. So that he meets us at any point of need. So in the Old Testament, wherever the ark went, the people followed. So the command through the, as they said, you know what? Let the ark go in front and stay at a distance. Whoa, how far? A thousand yards. Don't get any closer than a 1,000 yards. You're going to have to let it go on up and above and in, in, in front of you. A 1,000 yards, you can't get any closer to that, and you can't. But we are called to follow the presence of Jesus. Listen, at Abundant Life Church, our responsibility is simply to follow his presence. That next year will not look like this year if God allows us to get to next year. Amen. That, that we are to follow the presence of the Most High. So if you're scared today for the future, remind yourself that you and I have never gone this way before. That means your progress is forward and you're getting outside of your comfort zone. And if it intimidates you, you just have to say, hey, I've never been this way before. So listen, if your legs are wobbly, you've never gone this way before, all right? But you and I need to come and we need to put down our foot and then put down our next foot and our next foot and take the steps to get closer to God. Amen? So listen, 
I've never planted a church before. We've never planted a church before. But we're preparing to plant a church. Does that intimidate me? Yes. But listen, we're still putting one foot out there firmly. And we're putting another foot out there. And we're putting another foot out there. And it may intimidate us. But that's why... Next Sunday, as we come to Heart for the House, and these are in your seats with the magnet. I hope you're taking that magnet and you're sticking it on something you can see and pray. pray lead, prayer leads the way. Man, if, if you were here last Sunday night in our prayer meeting, there was a holy sense of God's presence in this house, and we're thankful for it. His presence came down. But listen, in your seats today, as we've handed this out every week on Heart for the House, that we are believing for $150,000, which is peanuts, small, small potatoes in God's eyes, of what can be made up in the difference. And there are people here that uh, God is calling us to give as a church so that we can see lives change at Abundant Life Clearbrook come March. That we are getting ready by faith, by faith. No, no you need to know this. By faith, we're getting, at the end of this month, we're getting ready to write the check for 50% down to buy the equipment. By faith, hear me. By, by faith, if you think this is small potatoes, this is by faith. That you need to come and realize that by faith, and some of you are like, no, I'm gonna, hey, you know, wow, God, you just parted the waters before Moses, so just come and do that again. But God's saying, are you gonna put your foot in the river before you even see the promised land? See, see, we, we want it to all roll back like it used to. And see, that's a problem many times in, in, in our hearts and our minds. People always use that past as precedent. That's the only way God's going to show up? No, it doesn't. God is unpredictable. We want God to show up the same way, the same time. But let me tell you something. When we come expecting God to do something great, he's most of the time saying, you need to put your foot in the water before I will do anything in your life. We live in comfortable America where we just want pew, roll back. And God's saying, you're going to have to come and you're going to put your foot in the water. So what am I saying is God's going to use you and he's going to use me to be able to give to the heart for the house offering because that's where God has his money in his people. And we get ashamed to talk about that sometimes, but that's where... You know, God has it, and inside of this room, there are people here that God is going to use you in giving, and I just pray that for these next seven days, you will pray about the amount that God has put in your heart to give, and next Sunday, by faith, we're going to come, and we're going to release the gift and the offering in Jesus' name, and then we are going to celebrate, so don't miss it. It don't miss it. It's going to be an amazing service next week as we're believing God. We're believing God for a miracle harvest and an offering. That we believe that no eye has seen and no ear has heard what God has in store for Abundant Life Church. So what do we got to do? We need to just get behind his presence. God, where are you leading? His presence goes before us, behind us, even around us. So you just need to know that today. We need to plant ourselves. But listen, Joshua says, hey, before we do that, I want you to consecrate yourself before me. I, I want you to consecrate yourself. And so what is he saying? The word consecrate means to set apart. 
What was Joshua saying to the people? You need to remove and you need to replace. There's things in your life that you shouldn't have in your life. There's some stuff that you're carrying from your past and you cannot carry it any longer. You'll never step into your future if you have it in your life. That relationship, that relationship can't go with you any longer. And I said it in the first and I'll say it here. I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? People get up, oh, hey, honey, you know, after today, the pastor said we need to give up. <laughs> Some of you laugh. You're thinking, that's so stupid you're saying that. Believe me, I've had the question. So just to be clear, you are not allowed to leave your spouse, okay? <laughs> now, there's only... There's only a certain amount. I'm going to say this too. So this is the next, I'm going to go on. There's only a certain time that I allow, and we've talked to people, Chris and I, and our staff has, when people, we've said, maybe you need to be separated for a while, and that's an abuse situation. God does not honor abuse, and abusers are self-haters. He's saying, you know what? You're going to have to get rid of some relationships before you move to your future. See, because what you put up with, you end up with. And we don't realize that, but what you and I are putting up with today, we end up with in our life. And scripture is filled with story after story after story of people that have just put up with things, put up with things, and put up with things, relationships they shouldn't have continued to put up with, things in their life they shouldn't have continued to put up with. And, and so what happens is they end up with it. They wake up one day and we wonder, why did I get this? That's because your decisions got you to this place. Your decisions got you to this place, and so now you have to realize you and I have a decision. We have a decision. I'm telling you, we have a decision, church. Enough of the neutral Christianity. It's drive or it's park. See, what you put up with, you end up with. So if you don't like the life you've allowed, it's now time to go and stand your ground. Some of you, before you put your foot down, you need to put your fear down, and you need to put your pride down, and you need to put criticism down, and you need to put toxic relationships down, and you need to put your past down, and some of you need to put your phone down. Well, no, 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 no. So, you... So you need to put your foot down and watch what God will do. You have to know this, that in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua was thinking about Joshua chapter 1. Well, he didn't know it was Joshua chapter 1 at that time, but it was Joshua chapter 1 where you go back to, and Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9 is ringing in his ears. Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. You have to know that that was ringing in, in Joshua's ear because that's what God told him. And the only thing I can think of was why did God say it so many times? He's moving through verse, chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 is because Joshua was probably filled with fear. And God was the voice in his life that said, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. See, what I want you to know is then God exalts Joshua to the top. Joshua, put your foot down and go stand in the river. The, the river Jordan is named 180 times in the Old Testament and 18 times in the New Testament, so this meant a lot. Very significant place. Well, let me just kind of show you. Elijah, before he's carried into heaven by a chariot of fire, he chooses the Jordan River. He crosses that, right? Elisha heals a man of leprosy. He says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And he was cleansed. But before those moments, there was a moment. And so, listen, he said, listen, I'm going to do something amazing tomorrow. I'm going to do something amazing, but you need to, you need to consecrate yourself. You need to set yourself apart. And, and so the next morning, millions of people with priests stepped into the Jordan River, and the water stopped flowing. That is a miracle. The water stopped flowing when they put their foot in the river. It stopped flowing. That's what the Bible says, and guess what? I believe the word. It stopped flowing. Standing firm, you have to know, takes time. You know, some of you are thinking, wow, I got to make a massive jump or a stride. No, 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 no. But you need to make a stable step today. Leave your past. Then you can move into a spiritual future. And it's in the unknown that God makes himself known. You may be here today and you say, you know what? I don't even know what my promised land is, John. I understand that because... There's probably people here, people listening. You may say, I don't even understand. I don't even understand all the promised land for me. And that's very fair. But this, I want to let you know, this wasn't the greatest miracle that took place at the Jordan River. Because thousands of years later, a man came and put his foot in the same water. You see, the true and the better Joshua came. You know that Joshua's name in Hebrew means Yeshua, Yahweh saves. In the Greek, it's translated Jesus. Jesus came up to the banks of the river Jordan. He put his foot down into the water. His cousin John baptized him, and as he baptized him, he went under the water. But as he came out of the water, all of heaven opened up, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and I am well pleased in you. That was the greatest miracle. That is where this is leading to. And Jesus in that moment was proclaiming that my mission and my ministry has now begun. And every single one of you now, you and I included to this day today and until Jesus comes back, every one of us can now cross over into our inheritance and our destiny because of what Jesus did for you and for me. Amen? That you and I have an inheritance. I mean, that should excite you today. Amen. Come on, church. I mean, come on. You and I have an inheritance. So some of you that are here today, wow, what is the promised land? Well, hey, for you and for me, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's ultimately heaven. That is the promise. That's the land. That's where we're going. But don't miss Jesus on the journey. Don't miss Jesus on the journey. you got to begin to put your foot down in the very place that God has called you to be today. And I call us as a church this morning that we would say, what are those things that you need to remove and replace? 
Come on, every person here can do this today. There's something in all. We're not, we haven't arrived yet, church. We, we get that, but what do you need to remove and replace today? What keeps keeping you from Jesus' best? You need to remove it, and you need to replace it with who he is. That's what I'm saying. That's what this word is saying. That's the Jordan River. That's Jesus, that he shows up, and he does the miraculous.